G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Why don't we introduce our guests who, for long-time listeners to Vision, don't really need any introduction at all. Our regulars, Peter and Jenny Stokes, but normally we only get to talk to one at a time. Today, the two together. Double barrel salt shakers today. Hello, Peter, and hello, Jenny. <laughs> Good day. Good day, Niels. It's good to be uh, on, on air together. Well, this could be an interesting uh, little experiment because uh, there you are sitting in the same room and I can just imagine sitting around the table with you guys and getting into some of the conversations you must have because uh, there's no one I know who gets into the nitty-gritty of morality and what Australians think about moral issues and legislation the way that uh, you guys like to talk about these things. When you have those conversations around the dinner table, who Who's usually the one who pops the first question that starts off those conversations? Oh, I'd say it's 50-50, Neil. <laughs> okay, um, that's a diplomatic I, answer. I, I wouldn't want to, um, you know, um, suggest one or other of us was... Uh... <laughs> And then uh, I guess some of those conversations turn into uh, long uh, discussions about all sorts of issues that deal with, and I guess you're talking about not only your local community, but you're, you're talking about big issues all the time. Well, that's right, Neil. And we, we're often looking at you know everything from what's happening, happening in the parliament on that day to proposed legislation, both in the state and federal areas, but also looking at what's happening internationally and increasingly looking at what's happening in the church and uh, and seeing who's saying what and, and in which direction people are going, because there is a bit of a move away from what we would see as biblical orthodoxy, and, uh, and sometimes that needs to be looked at as well. Well, before we get into some deep nitty-gritty discussion on these issues of morality and legislation and uh, Christians voting and those sorts of things. Uh, just remind us how long Salt Shakers has been running and the sort of resources that people can get when they actually connect with you. Yes, Neil, we started 20 years ago, um, mainly because there were some local issues. Uh, the first one that we really picked up as a, as a couple and got involved in was were the... Um, legalization of poker machines in Victoria caused them very suddenly to spread everywhere and we found them or at least our, our church actually found them uh, and notified the church that they were coming to our shopping center which was one of those large malls with three floors and you know whatever and we with a 14 year old son we didn't like that idea we'd just given him permission to go to the, the shops on his own and wander the shops and and uh, and so we got involved in that. And that after a three-year battle, we really began to feel, well, we really felt during that that uh, God was calling us to alert the church, and initially it was just to be our church, about the issues that were being pushed out there in the community. And I'm interested in that because, really, your whole uh, thrust into community issues came because you were parents, and because you were concerned about what other parents might be 
thinking and if they've got children and teenagers growing up, what sort of a world are they growing up in? So you decided that you wouldn't hold back, you'd actually take some action. Yes, and little did we know just where that was going to lead us. Uh, it, it was certainly not a, a planned organisation that we started. We, we had no idea at that point. Um, we had been involved with various youth groups. Uh, we had been involved in very, various ministries in the church. But when I suggested to our senior pastor, Stuart Robinson, that we thought God was calling us in this direction, he said, I've been praying for somebody for three years to pick up that baton, and I think you're the right couple. Well, when that happens, you, you keep moving forward, and uh, the next te- uh, 20 years have been quite an experience, I can tell you. And, of course, what's grown from that is a support base from right around the nation, people who are connecting with the Salt Shakers website at www.saltshakers.org.au and uh, people contributing to your understanding of what's happening when it comes to this moral landscape in Australia. I think that was the amazing thing, that when we put out our first major email, and it went out, believe it or not, by fax, and it went around the country, um, all of a sudden we were getting messages, uh, email, uh, well, not emails, uh, but phone calls from people around the country who said, wow, I've been worried about this in our community, uh, and you you seem to be able to help me, What what can I do, you know, and suddenly it just took off. Yeah. Let's get into some of the nitty gritty and start with these definitions that we sometimes talk about, uh, morality, because Christians are often uh, really uh, under uh, the gun, under under fire for standing up and saying, well, these things are righteous the way that I understand them before God. And they conflict with the way that some of the issues in the nation seem to be heading. So when you say something, you come under fire. Now, you guys are no strangers to coming under fire for being outspoken on all sorts of issues. But when we talk about this issue of morality, we want to talk today about, you know, can you legislate morality? Uh, Or the other question is, uh, you can't not legislate morality. Let's talk about morality in general. How do people find their bearings? How do you get a compass direction for understanding where you're going when you're a Christian? Well, Neil, I think if we start with something really basic, often often it's used as a bit of an accusation against Christians, and it's really in an attempt to to stop the debate, to get Christians out of the debate. So if, if we look at some of the contentious current issues... Um, for instance, like same-sex marriage, it's used to try and get us to stop talking. <laughs> but if we actually look at the, the essence of, of our laws and our legal system, we know that they're based on Christian principles, both in the US and here in Australia, uh, based on the Westminster legal system. And that, of course, comes from the Bible. But if you take it down to the very basics, everyone knows that it's wrong to steal and it's wrong to murder. And that's why we have laws on those. And, and in, in essence, they are moral positions. We, you know, everybody says they are wrong. And people who break those laws have punishments. And everybody agrees that those punishments are valid. Um, we have a range of those, of course, across, across the spectrum. But there is a sense of, and I think we were talking about it this morning, there's an there's this principle that God actually says in, the, in his word that he's put in us an understanding of what's right and wrong. You know, we have this conscience that, that sort of determines it. So even from outside a Christian perspective, people have an understanding of, of what's right and wrong. And when it comes to the issue of marriage, um, as one of the videos I was looking at yesterday by, with Kevin DeYoung saying, and he's saying, well, it's not just a Christian principle. It's from right across the spectrum throughout cultures for centuries. 
there's been this understanding that marriage is between a man and a woman, and we see that in non-Christian countries as well as in Christian ones. So it's this principle of, you know, what's good, what's best for society, what's, what's good for the protection of women and children, which is why governments have actually uh, legislated for the benefits of marriage because it's seen as the best for society. So, you know, sometimes that principle, you know, we, we're labelled at this end of the debate as being, you know, well, that's just a Christian argument, but it's actually an argument that's best for society. Well, as you say, it's uh, an argument that tries to shut down uh, the Christians from entering the debate. It's also, uh, just of late, the sort of uh, topic, when you start to get onto the whole same-sex marriage topic, it seems to be that people who are in uh, mainstream commentary positions can't get past uh, the idea that uh, Christians stand for marriage between one man and one woman. And uh, and it seems to be that, that Christians talking about a whole range of other issues. It's not as though Christians don't have opinions on a whole lot of other issues, but seemingly people can't get over this one particular one that seems to bottleneck the way that people like to categorise Christians. I I have been told a number of times, Neil, that, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're obsessed with homosexuality and... My reply to that every time was that if it wasn't an issue that was being pushed by a very small, initially anyway, group of people, then we wouldn't be involved in it. Mm. And, and it's a response to what is happening, not a case of, you know, we're driving the issue. And yet it does seem, as you say, that whenever the media, uh, the secular media, talk about this issue, they, they, they almost accuse us of being the ones that are being nasty because we raised the issue, you know, because we hate people. And there is certainly a strong marketing department, maybe, uh, from the, the side of the, uh, the, the same-sex marriage lobby uh, that, uh, that tries to uh, push Christians into a corner on the issue. We discovered some time ago, Neil, that there's a, a marketing regime behind almost every one of these issues that we deal with. And, and let's not just dwell on that issue because we deal with euthanasia, abortion, uh, drug injecting rooms were a big issue for uh, Victoria some years ago. And, and thankfully, and praise God, we won that battle and they, and they aren't here, although every now and then it comes back again. And, and so there are many issues... But we've discovered, really, in every one of them, that, that, that with modern media and social media, a marketing regime appears, and sometimes that includes mainstream secular media, who are paid positions <laughs> to push issues. And we, we as Christians, really, um, sometimes... Uh, somebody said some while ago that if we're not on the playing field, then the other side wins. And, and so often that's been the case, that Christians haven't been on the playing field. They haven't been aware of what's been going on, and that's really where we came into being 20 years ago, to try and educate Christians about what was going on that they weren't hearing in the mainstream media because they're only pushing one side of the story. And of course, uh, if you were saying, well, this is a secular nation that we live in and legislation happens under a secular government, then all morality then is a matter of conscience. So if Christians are not in the game, on the playing field, as you say, well, then their their argument, uh, their biblical foundations for morality are likely to be swamped uh, by all sorts of other uh, forces coming in from outside. 
Well, that's right, Neil. So it it does come to when we come to elections and uh, electing representatives who are supposed to represent us, and obviously the person with the highest number of votes or preferences wins, it's really important that Christians understand what the candidates um, are standing for, what their own personal values are, as well as knowing what the parties themselves stand for. And, uh, you know, that gets into the realm of politics. And, for instance, the Western Australian election is being held uh, this coming couple of weeks on the 5th of April and uh, you know for the, for the Senate election and it's interesting when you look at those group voting tickets and that's something important because people often think well I can just vote one above the line and that's just going to flow through and people don't actually look at where those preferences go to and uh, there's one person just analysed the Labor ticket there and uh, it was Bernard Gaynor and he's actually looked at where the preferences go if, if you put a one above the line for Labor and it starts with the uh, starts with the secular party but it goes through you know a range of parties that that as christians we would really have serious concerns about the animal justice party the sex party the euthanasia party the hemp party the greens um wikileaks and the socialist alliance all before they get to other major parties and there's a bit of a problem with the preference system there because um they don't obviously want to give their major preferences to the opposition party um in this case the coalition but you've got all these minor parties are being preferenced quite high up in in some of the preference deals and and certainly when you look at that range of of areas these are people who are putting forward their morality their positions um and what they actually stand for everything from you know pro homosexual sex education to um you know, pro-euthanasia, and these are all being put forward. There's, these are other moralities that are all being put forward by the representatives of these parties. And so, it's, you know, it's a clear indication that everybody's putting their own morality in. And is it true that really uh, you can be under an illusion uh, of what the parties are trying to promote, what they stand for in the lead-up to an election? Of course, we are talking about the upcoming WA Senate election, is that if you don't go a little bit deeper, if you don't see what the policies are on a range of issues, you could be duped into voting for something that you thought was great, but in fact underneath there's a whole lot of rot. Is that the, is that the case? All too often, Neil, we are lulled into a false sense of security by people who ask the parties certain questions, and sometimes those questions can be um, deliberately um, de- evasive. Uh, but then the party says what they think the person asking the question wants to hear. And so by asking parties questions, and, and this goes for all parties, um, that they are going to tell you what you want to hear, not necessarily, I'm afraid, what is the truth and what is, in fact, in the fine print, if you like, of their policies. And and so it's very dangerous to do that. For Christians, there really is a necessity to do some homework, to actually see how these people have, uh, what voting record they have if they've been in Parliament, or to engage with them and... So often we've heard that line that, well, personal morality doesn't affect public morality. I had a big debate on ABC Radio many years ago about Peter Singer standing for the Greens. And when I raised his personal morality about killing children, I was told, oh, but that, that's not the party's you know, situation. And, but I said, it, but it's his personal morality. And whenever you have a personal morality, that is going to reflect in your public morality. We have a leader of the opposition at the moment 
who's been married, divorced, uh, got somebody pregnant, and, you know, while he was still... All sorts of messy things going on in there. And, and you say, well, OK, what's his personal morality? But then people will say, oh, that's nothing to do with politics. But surely he's going to push that in the parliament. He can't not push it because it's part of who he is. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020. It's great to have you with us on 2020. It's Neil Johnson with you, our special guests this hour, Peter and Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers. Uh, If I was to ask you, uh, Peter and Jenny, when it comes to uh, issues of the parliament, and we're talking not only federal politics, but also state politics, Christians entering into the realm of politics, uh, standing up and being counted. Is that something that you continue to encourage Christians to do, to enter into some sort of political life, uh, to really get uh, into political debate, rolling up your sleeves and getting involved? I'm um, brave enough to say that I think that getting into politics um, is probably today um, even more worthwhile than getting into the pulpit. Um, we, 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 you see, the ground is shifting beneath our feet. And, and if we as Christians are not in the debate, um, then that ground is going to shift very fast. And, um, you know, uh, we were fortunate that not long after we started Salt Shakers, um, the Liberal Coalition came in. We knew or got to know a number of the Christian politicians and discovered just how hard Many of them were working to hold back the tide. And so uh, we even had them asking us for information that they could present, single sheet, simple sort of information, not long reams of it because they get too much. So we can have an input that way. But these people being in that party room, I think we've seen that even in the last few months, there was a a rumour around that the coalition were going to discuss the same-sex marriage bill in relation to what their policy was. Now, we understand, and, and sometimes you've only got to go by second hand, that, that that didn't actually take place. And I think they realised that they didn't have that. Those pushing for same-sex marriage in the Liberal Party didn't have the numbers. And therefore, they didn't raise that as a debate. So if the Christians aren't there, then these things are going to just flow out like Satan's, you know, biggest war he's ever had. And 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 we, so we have to be there and we have to be in the battle. We will continue to talk about that some more, but let's take a call from a listener, Murray in Wangaratta. Hello, Murray. Welcome to 2020. Thank you. How are you today? I'm very well, Murray. What's your contribution to our conversation today? I just wanted to pick up a, a bit on uh, Peter and Jenny's statements about... Um, legislating morality Um, uh, as they've correctly said um, everyone has a position and essentially whenever someone you know passes legislation it is going to portray their moral perspective you know how they view the world what they see as truth or if they even believe in truth so it's important for us Christians to be aware that we must not be bluffed um, I presume Peter and Jenny would be aware of the protest to get rid of SRI that made the news this week. Um, um, and, and it was the same thing. These people saying, we don't want religion in schools. But really what they're saying is we don't want the Christian religion in schools. We're quite happy to have our evolutionary religion or our humanistic religion. Um, 
and it's important, as I say, that I think that Christians don't be bluffed by what is often thrown up. For I think it's important to understand Paul's argument in Romans 13 is one pertinent example that if all rulers are under God's authority, then there really, in essence, is no such thing as a, a secular government. Now, that's a bit of a hot potato, I realise, but if Paul's words are true, then the rulers are subject to God. Three times in that passage, they're said to be ministers of God. And so we have to stop believing that these people can somehow deny God, stand outside of God, and then somehow make good rules that are going to benefit everybody. Murray, let me ask you, uh, before we invite uh, Peter and Jenny back in to just respond to some of the things that you're saying there, but do you feel that sometimes uh, Christians are either fearful of entering into the debate or uh, they feel a little bit as though they're ignorant and don't know how to uh, enter into the debate? Uh, the answer to that would be a qualified yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's both. I do think that in the last decades we have gone for a very pietistic sort of religion that's about, as I term it, uh, you and me and Jesus on the inside. Um, our faith, we're being told by, by secularists that it's okay if we have our faith, it just shouldn't make it into the public square. And so we've tended to fall for an idea that our Christianity is an internal thing. Um, and therefore there's been a lack of preaching and teaching on um, external application. And we see that not only in politics, but I think in some very basic areas such as family. Um, Peter yeah. and Jenny, let me bring you into the conversation here again. Uh, any response to what Murray's saying? I'd say he's absolutely right. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think many Christians are today quite intimidated and, of course, uh, one of the things that we've discovered is that a lot of the opposition is purely intimidation. It's, it's de designed to try and shut down the debate, and that may be a single phrase and so forth. And we were very fortunate some years ago to meet a guy called Greg Kokel from America. Um, he was over here on a Wellview School that we were involved in, and, and his mandate was to say to people when they make a statement... Um, you know, what do you mean by that? Uh, rather than suddenly feel intimidated and uh, either withdraw or, or fearful of the response. And it puts the onus back onto them. And that's something that, that Christians really need to be taught to do, to, to not accept everybody's, you know, one-line statement or whatever they have said, which is usually done as an intimidation factor, but to actually question where do they get that idea from? Uh, Murray, thank you very much for your call. Murray from Wangaratta. And you can participate in our discussion today, 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876. We're talking with Peter and Jenny Stokes. Uh, Peter and Jenny, Murray raised uh, one particular issue there early on in his comments where he mentioned the SRI uh, in Victoria. We're talking about uh, religious instruction or religious education in schools. Uh, the idea of taking out... Uh, any semblance of Christian authority or Christian teaching in schools is one way that Christianity is being undermined in the nation. Well, that's right. And in, in, certainly in Victoria, it comes back to when the Education Act was set up in 1872. Up until that time, most of the schools in the state were actually run by churches. There wasn't a state government system, if you like, and, and certainly the churches handed over the educational system to the government. 
But from that time, they actually had a, a time each week where special religious instruction could be held. And certainly more than 90%, probably more than 95% of uh, the special religious instruction in Victoria is actually run by Christian schools and, and through access ministries. But what's happened, and, and other groups have now got some ability to teach if they have accredited teachers and they have an agreement with the department. We now have, you know, Baha'i, Jewish, Catholic, we have, um, you know, Islamic uh, instruction and so on. It can be taught as special religious instruction. So the Christian religious instruction groups are getting uh, most of the flack from people who don't want religion in schools, but there is a, a range um, across the board that, that schools have to provide. And, and under the Act, parents can opt in or opt out. They can choose whether they want their child to be in the program. So um, that's, that's always been, that's certainly been the case in the last few years. Uh, it's not assumed that children are going to do it. Um, Murray mentioned there's been more flack this week, and certainly over the last couple of months, there's been a lot of campaigns, there have been protests, we've seen in other states, there have been legal cases against uh, special religious instruction. But in Victoria, there's a group called Fairness of Relig in Religion in Schools, and just this week they had, uh, there was an article in the local media here in Victoria where they, they're planning to put up um, a big billboard, and they're trying to discredit what's actually taught in Christian education and they've actually got a picture of Jesus with a dinosaur and they've got a picture of this billboard in the in the paper so they're trying to sort of say well you know they're, they're getting taught you know all the wrong things but it's important to remember that the Christian education program access ministries they actually have 12 or 13 major denominations that are supportive of the curriculum um, it's an agreed curriculum with the education department um, they're very careful not to you know uh, to, to really stick to the basics of the Bible and they're not allowed to proselytise they're actually talking about the Christian faith so volunteers are actually taught what they can say, how they should say it they're not to proselytise they're not to assume the children um, are Christian but to teach them about the Christian faith as part of that and, and certainly it's under quite strict guidelines from the education department themselves it's just that some parents have formed a group and have made complaints to protest about uh, the teaching of religion and particularly the teaching of Christianity in schools. And of course, uh, up until recently, uh, every school had religious education in some form or other and uh, parents proudly picked up the baton of going to their local schools and teaching RE. It's become a whole lot more legislated now and perhaps there were some who were overstepping the mark. Uh, but there is a sense, isn't there, that when those parents and individuals in the community, ministers in churches... Uh, people who uh, were specifically just feeling as though there was some sort of calling on their life to be an RE or RI teacher, uh, that they'd go into schools and there was a real morality foundation that was being formed in the lives of students. If we start to talk about challenges and get intimidated by uh, tactics of some who complain, then sometimes uh, I guess uh, people are going to be fearful and, uh, and say, well, I'm going to pull back a little bit. That's really where you're saying we shouldn't pull back. We should still be up there and taking our opportunities. I, th I think this is very true, Neil. The, the fact is that they will try and put you off. And, and we have to realise that there is a war going on. I, I put on our latest prayer notes. Um, the statement that the devil's war is better than the devil's peace. And, and that's really the choice we have. We, if we want to, if we back off and say, oh, no, we, we won't fight, we, all we have is the devil's peace. 
we don't have the joy of the Lord because we're not doing his work, we have the devil's peace. And, and of course, um, you know, we, we seem to have lost the idea that there is a devil out there. He's roaming like a roaring lion. He's, he's willing, willing to devour anybody he can devour. And that's the enemy we have. That's what we're against. And we've got to get, I mean, I remember hymns like, fight the good fight, stand up the, uh, for Jesus. Uh, you know, where have they gone? Um, we have this passive Christianity today, which I think is one of the reasons that we have the morality disappearing as rapidly as we have. You're listening in on 2020. It's Neil Johnson with you. Our double barrel guests today from Salt Shakers, Peter and Jenny Stokes. Uh, Peter and Jenny, we're talking through these issues of politics and of faith, of morality. Uh, the invitation to listeners to be a part of our conversation, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. 870 Peter, we were just talking last week about the idea of voting for people who stand for office and they say that they're Christians but don't always have that as their real heartbeat. It's always a concern when you have the idea that there may be people who are pretending in their faith. I I think we've seen um, quite a bit of that in recent years in Australian politics, Neil, and I think it's something we need to be very concerned about. I I think people who... um, really feel that God is calling them to stand for politics and commit the whole thing to him uh, will be um, not doing anything that is outside of biblical values. But we've seen Christians promoting all sorts of stuff, um, not just in the last couple of years, but over a number of years. We've been amazed at the the Christians that have supported the the legalisation of prostitution or or gambling reform, which opened up poker machines into into Victoria, for instance, and and even drug injecting rooms in in the name of so-called social justice or love. But um, sadly... They have um, those those doing those things has only made the situation a lot worse. When we legalise immorality, um, we we corrupt society, and and so we need to be very sure that the, the person who claims to have a Christian tag is really following biblical values and not their own values, um, which they feel might help society. And that comes down to, doesn't it, to the literacy that people in Australia have when it comes to the Bible, because I guess if you are a Bible literate person, uh, you start to appreciate the value of what's in there and uh, that it does actually give you a great foundation uh, for having values on all sorts of issues. Well, that's right, Neil. It's really important um, that we actually have a biblical worldview, and, uh, and that starts, of course, as you say, with understanding what the Bible says on these things and how the Bible actually relates to every part of life, because it's not just the spiritual aspect, it's, it's every aspect. So in law, in arts, in politics, in you know, science, all of these things, we need to have a perspective from, from the Bible. One of the other things that's concerned us too, though, is, is really looking at... Um, the differing views, and perhaps increasingly so, the differing views within Christianity. And certainly over the last few years, we've had Christians on, on national radio and, um, and so on talking about accepting same-sex marriage and the full acceptance of homosexuality. So just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean that they hold a biblical Christian view. And we need to monitor that, certainly 
in the lead up to the last federal election, we actually saw Kevin Rudd on that Q&A program where Matt Prater asked him a question about uh, same-sex marriage and he's changing his view on that and how could you know people vote for him when he's changed his view on such a major issue. And of course, Kevin Rudd had professed to be a Christian. He was often photographed at coming outside of church, uh, promoting his, his Christian faith. And yet, um, on this particular issue, changed totally to fully endorse same-sex marriage. And so we have to be careful as to what the particular views are and um, how biblical those views are when, we, when we're actually analysing a, a politician's uh, profession of Christian faith. Well, we are talking about politics, we're talking about faith, we're talking about morality, and you can participate in our conversation. one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six is our number. Let's take a call from David in Broken Hill. Hello, David. Welcome to 2020. David, what's your contribution to our conversation today? Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I've taken on the role in my retirement, I've taken on the role of itinerant evangelist, uh, sold up my house, so I live in a 20-foot uh, caravan, and I'm finding exactly what you people are saying to be true um, out on the street. Uh, the, morals are, the morals are gone by the way. Um, the government has said that we can do, that children can do things like divorce their parents. I mean, what kind of sense, sense is in that to start with? They didn't marry them. Um, um, and yeah, generally speaking, um, morals going downhill and downhill fast. And uh, um, quite honestly, um, I, I was converted under an independent Baptist type system where um, the man, when he preached, there was some children mucking up up the back of the auditorium and he stopped in the middle of his preaching. He slapped the pulpit real hard with his hand and the children sort of stopped and he said, you are in the house of God, either act like it or get out now. There's not enough... There's not enough um, um, the church today seems to be too scared to lose bottoms on seats. <laughs> it, Very it, true. It's, more, it's more important that they have bottoms on seats, it seems to me, as a troubling evangelist, it's more important for them to have bottoms on seats than to have true conversions. Of course, uh, some might argue too that having the bottoms on seats is more likely to be the circumstance whereby those people who are interested in faith uh, will in fact grow to a level of maturity that might bring them around to a different idea. Uh, so I guess um, well, you can't... Yes. That, 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 that's, if you, that's if what is being preached from the platform is true to the word. Now, um, I've been in some churches where, for instance, I see a banner on the front of the building, uh, like in the auditorium, I see this banner, and it says, quote, baptism now saves you, unquote. I don't think that... Um, I don't think anybody sitting in a pew in that church is going to get the truth because that, for a start, is a lie. Yep. Well, um, so you know that that that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. The church is falling away from the truth, and that's what I'm finding right across the country as I travel. Peter and, and that's Jenny, all denominations. Peter and Jenny, your thoughts on what David's saying? I, I think um, David is is correct in stating that. Um, conversion will only happen when well it won't only happen conversion mostly happens when the gospel is being preached and if if the gospel is not being preached if they're not being taught the values from scripture then uh, there is going to be a, a a church that's got no values left that's right
And uh, David Richardson, uh, itinerant evangelist uh, from Broken Hill in New South Wales, thank you so much for your contribution on 2020 today. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil Johnson with you, our special guests this hour, Peter and Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers. We're talking through issues of politics. We're talking about morality. We're talking about Christian values. And we started this hour talking about not being able to not legislate morality. You can't not legislate morality. It's just whose morality you are legislating. And uh, when it comes to this particular issue, Peter and Jenny, uh, this is an area you you like to uh, bang the drum a little bit about this because really some people get confused and think that because they're not holding a Christian position that they're not actually holding any morality at all. Well, well that's right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> We, we would like to sort of think that, that we often ask an atheist, for instance, you know, where do you get your morality from? Because I think that's an important question too, that if they actually have a view of evolution, who decides what's right and wrong and who decides what morality, where morality comes from? And I think that's an important question to ask. But I think in terms of politics, everybody, you know, comes with particular uh, moral views. So if you're pro-euthanasia or you're with the sex party and you're promoting, you know, full acceptance of um, of of prostitution and so on, then that that becomes their moral position. We would call it an immoral position, but uh, they come with a particular position on morality from from where their you know their worldviews coming from, if you like. So I think that's that's important to to always be you know keep in mind that that morality is you know um, is there. And, and another word I think that's that's a big word today is relativism and and people. I think David was referring to that before, you know, people think, well, everything's relative, you know, who am I to, you know, be told that I'm right or wrong, I can choose to do what I like. And of course, the Bible refers to that. And it says, you know, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And, you know, it's, in a way, nothing's new. We've got that question that, that Satan asked Eve in the garden, you know, did God really say? And, and I think that's a really big question today, that, that it's like, you know, did God really say not to do this or this? And, and people have fairly selective choices, so they'll, they'll actually, most people will understand that murder and stealing are wrong, but when it comes to some of these other things, it's like, well, you know, I can do as I like here, and who's to tell me I can't do that? So we have some of those questions uh, that need to be considered. Let's take another listener call. Kate is in Bean Lee in Queensland. Hello, Kate. Welcome to 2020. Hi, how are you? Very well. Kate, what's your contribution to our conversation today? Oh, that's good. Yeah, look, I was just listening to where this was going, and when David got on, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll make a call. Um, I've got five children currently, uh, three uh, in school. I've got them going to a Catholic school because I thought my reasoning with that was because at least they're still learning the Holy Bible um, and the stories within it. Um, now, for the last two years, my children have been coming home after learning a new story, stories like Jonah and the Whale and David and Goliath and um, Jesus Feeds the 5,000, just to name a couple. Um, they come home and then they ask, uh, they tell me that they, all of their teachers are saying that these events never actually happen, they're not real, they're not true. And this is in a Catholic education system and apparently it's uh, speaking with other mothers um, around, it's uh, this kind of thing is being said uh, from teachers in just about all Catholic schools now. 
Well, Kata, even though teachers might be uh, teaching RE, they may not hold to very strongly their Christian faith, but uh, in one sense, if they're going along to a Christian school or a Catholic school, uh, they are actually being taught those sorts of stories, and I suspect that uh, those stories do contain all sorts of great values that your children will be influenced by. Of course, it does help oh, when the teacher true. does have that, uh, that level of belief as well. Well, who knows what the what I'm saying is I think maybe the teachers have been told to say that the stories aren't true or real and never actually happened. Um, I'm pretty sure that that would be the case because it's happening on too large a scale for it not to be. Um, the, how I get around it, though, is my kids and I are open about anything to do with Scripture and the Bible and they come home to me and they say, oh, Mum, you know, we learned about this today and I've gone, oh, cool. And then they ask me... Um, Oh, okay, so our teacher said that this isn't real. Uh, and I've gone, okay, well, what do you think? And they go, well, we don't think that it never happened. We think it did happen. And I've gone, okay, well, that's your belief. I agree. That's what I believe as well. And and good on you. You know, like that's how I get over, around it. And I think that uh, you should rest in the fact that the statistics would show that parents are a greater influence on their children's belief and behaviour than the teachers at school. Uh, so uh, uh, thankfully your children are learning some good values at school, but yes, the, the teachers, and as uh, one uh, comment might come through on that, uh, the bishops of that particular community that you're a part of might not be pleased to hear that the teachers are saying that they don't believe those things. Thank you so much for your contribution today, Kate. Great to hear from you. Thank you. you. Peter and Jenny, uh, it does come down to this personal belief too and people who are teaching scripture in schools, uh, it's, it's always useful when the teacher actually believes what they're teaching. Sadly, we have a situation today where so many Christians have been either so intimidated by the humanist's evolutionary story or they really have never been taught it properly themselves or to how to understand scripture um, and uh, I would say that that sort of teaching is not only happening in Catholic schools, it's happening in a lot of Christian schools too. We, we've seen situations where evolution is taught as a fact in Christian schools and one wonders how on earth that could ever take place but it is a fairly common occurrence today and so again it's somebody else's morality, the, the humanism is as much as religion uh, embedded in with evolution uh, and we have to be challenging that and I would suggest to Kate that she should actually go to the school and talk to the principal and the teachers and find out because if the children are continually told they don't have to believe that um, and we saw this with her own son who was uh, agreeing with uh, six-day creation and uh, um, Genesis uh, and one person basically seemed to put into his head that, well, of course, you know, you can choose that or not. Um, and, and, you know, uh, suddenly he said, oh, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Well, we had a very different opinion of that, I can tell you. Jenny might elaborate. <laughs> well, it was the important thing was that they'd actually gone to a youth camp uh, with you know young people, young adults, and uh, they had a speaker there who actually you know had, had put that that position. And it was interesting. A year or so later, it came up again, and he'd actually had another good think about it and decided that uh, no, he, he didn't actually agree with what he'd been told at this at this camp. But sometimes we're getting that. That was even within a church situation. So. One of the things I'd suggest too is that, uh, and we had a 
Baptist minister told us that he'd sent his children along to a, a you know a church school, but he said they always had a debriefing every day as to what they'd learned, and then they would basically correct some of the things that they'd been taught that they didn't agree with. So it's important that we ask our children what they're being taught, um, that you've got the opportunity to actually counter and to, to discuss that, to put in the alternative view. And, you know, I think that what you're right there in saying is that, you know, go, going along, talking to the principals and uh, and even to the Catholic education system and sort of say, well, what's happening here? Because certainly we had an issue here in Victoria where they tried to remove religious exemptions for employment for religious schools. And we were told by, you know, a Catholic MP who said, well, Catholic school system has, has had to employ non-Catholics because they can't get enough people to, to fit their criteria. So they'd already moved to that point. And we said, well, Christian schools can't do that. So the important thing was... Uh, to make sure that they actually then followed the ethos of the system of the school, and certainly I would I would expect that teachers in the Catholic system should be expected to follow the ethos of the school of the of the faith. Now we're running a little short of time here. Uh, I want to thank Kate for her input uh, today on 2020, but I wanted to talk about some of the resources that Salt Shakers has on the website. Uh, Peter or Jenny, uh, when people go to the Salt Shakers website, they can get informed. We're talking about issues today. You can't not legislate morality. Well, if you're feeling as though you're a little bit in the dark, you guys have got some great resources. Quickly tell us what's on your site. Okay, we've got a whole range of, of, of issues. Um, we put up blogs um, on a regular basis. You can get those by email if you sign up to our e-news list, and there's no charge for that. Uh, the ones that we've been talking about today, I've got three or four articles on uh, le- Christians legislating morality. So I've chosen a little video clip uh, with Kevin DeYoung. I've chosen uh, three or four other articles. So if you go to the front page of our website, saltshakers.org.au, um, I've actually posted some references on Christians legislating morality so you can explore the issue a little more. There's also a lot of information about other issues on our website and we've got a whole list of issues, whether it be same-sex marriage, whether it be abortion, euthanasia, there, and also links to parliaments and who, who's in. Um, we do a Christian values checklist um, at each major election um, which is not where we ask questions of politicians, but where we evaluate those parties on, on their record and what they've stood for, what they've voted for. And so there's all sorts of information on that um, on that website. Jenny's done a fantastic job with a, a great uh, Presbyterian pastor who's rebuilt our website for us. And uh, it's, um, it, it's there for people to use. Of course, there's no charge to use our website, but there's a host of information there that people can gain some insight into what's happening and how they can respond and really how they can make a difference. And that's the point. We can make a difference in this nation if only we put one step in front of the other and take a risk. And, of course, you guys also send out a regular prayer bulletin too to keep people informed of the issues so they can make that a part of their prayer. Well, Peter and Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers, uh, www.saltshakers.org.au. But thank you to the two of you for being a part of this hour here on 2020. Appreciate it very much. It's a great pleasure and thank you for the opportunity. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.